Great. Thanks very much, folks. Can we have the readings, please? Thank you. Now, we've got three readings this morning, two very short ones, and then the main one. First one is from Romans chapter 14, and I was always taught when a verse begins with therefore, you should ask, what's the therefore, therefore? And it's because Paul has been writing to the Christians in Rome um, about criticizing others on really some quite petty matters. You know, one's happy to eat meat, it's not phased by where it comes from, another one goes veggie, and all sorts of things like that. One thinks a day is really important one particular day, and another one doesn't think that. So he says this, verse 13, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. And then James chapter 5 and verse 9 says this, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Our main reading on page 971, if you want to follow it, is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. And Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't give dogs what is sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. This is the word of the Lord. And thank you everyone who contributed in that, that time of testimony. Especially thank you to, you, to, to the young people. At the, um, it was really, really good. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, we pray that as we look at this subject today, that you'd speak into our lives. May we be changed. May we live closer to your spirit. Amen. Folks, I'm going to be preaching on this absolutely delightful theme of do not judge one another. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) I need to give you some background to the story. I'm going to tell you a story, but unless I give you the background to the story, the story won't make so much sense. It was towards the end of the 90s. The church I was leading was a church called St. Luke's in Greendale, and in 96, I had been made a canon 
of the province of Central Africa by the bishops and the archbishop. This is a tremendous award because there had only been five canons in history at that point, and it was given because of some very sacrificial service that I'd given to the, to, to, to the, the, the province. It was a recognition. When you're a provincial canon, you're not a canon for seven years like a normal canon is. You're a, you're a canon for the rest of your life, unless, of course, you do something dumb like run off with a drummer's wife. <laughs> On top of that, the church that I was leading was just going at a pace. The size of our early service, this was the first service of the day, the 7.30 service, was, was bigger than this. We're, hundreds were coming to the church. We were, because there were so many and because we had so many, we had to be able to employ a good number of staff, we, we started to do all sorts of really exciting things. One of the members of the congregation found that there was nowhere in the country that a woman who was pregnant, who found herself pregnant, and for whom there was no, for whom it was now a crisis, because they maybe were, were out of wedlock or, 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 or some other situation. They, and, 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 and so we set up for four women a pregnancy crisis center where if you, if you found yourself in a situation where you found yourself pregnant and it was a crisis, you could go and you could get real help. And it was started off by a young enthusiast, but then, the, the, when, then we started to get uh, uh, doctors involved and, and one absolutely delightful uh, doctor called Nolene Boyasango. Uh, I just love the name Boyasango because it means lunch from the bush. <laughs> And Nolene got involved, and that, that work became a regional work. We were starting to work with a, um, the, some, a desperately poor community on the, on the south uh, east side called Epworth, um, who were, 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 were people had AIDS and were dying of AIDS. And the thing about that was the community was extremely poor, and it was... They were slightly, the people who lived there were really displaced from their communal areas where they'd come from. And so they were, had become small families. Not the, the, there was no community to help them. And when you went there on a Saturday, if you wanted your heart to break, it was dead easy to break because you'd have mum had died or dad had died, and you had these little urchins who were now looking after a dying parent and there was no running water and these little people were going off, collecting water bringing it back, cooking food for their dying mums or dads and, and, and looking after their, their siblings and of course it's generally the girls who have to do it because the blokes weren't doing it so you had these little girls as 12 years old dropping out of school because they had to look after a dying parent and look after their siblings. And, and that work still goes on, and it's absolutely awesome. Um, we, we, 
So we were doing all sorts of exciting things. On top of that, we were, we were sending out missionary teams. We were experimenting in new forms of worship. By, by those years, um, Graceland and Paul Simon had happened and had come to Harare. And, and, and the thing about Graceland was it was revolutionary for us as a church because we, as, we were a a largely a black community, but we had white people in it. And the problem was music, because music's important to us in our worship, isn't it? And so the, 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 the black community sings in a minor key. The, us whites, Europeans, we sing in a major key. So therefore, trying to get music to, to work together to create harmony was a problem. And Paul Simon came along. And he did it. He did it. He had a delightful mix. If you ever, you must, does anyone know Graceland? Yes, yes. He, you, 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 um, he, he, he was able to blend the, 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 the music. And I thought, well, if he can do it, we can. <laughs> Seriously. And we had some d- very good musicians in the church. I talked to them about what, what I was seeking to do. And, and we really jazzed up our, our worship and, and music stopped being a source of disharmony and difficulty in the church. It started to become uh, something that we were all happy with. I'm sure there were some who weren't happy, but anyway. And, and so the place was humming. What was the problem? I was going off to diocesan standing committee with all these senior clergymen. And the thing which I faced every month was my jealousy. These guys were jealous of me. They were jealous of, how, of, of, of the, the title and how far I'd come. They were jealous of this work. We were punching above our weight. And, one, and it was a problem for me. And one morning I read in the Bible, and it's Psalm 58, you can go and look at it. The psalmist prays, he prays, Lord, he's talking about the evildoers, Lord, break their teeth in their mouths. <laughs> and I was fed up with these fellows. So I prayed to God, I said, God, would you please break their teeth, their teeth? It was a heartfelt prayer. This was how I felt about them. What happened? What do you think happened in the following week? My teeth started to break. (laughs) I still got teeth. But they started to break. And as they broke, I thought, whew, man. The Father is teaching me a powerful lesson here. Because I was sitting in judgment on those guys. And as the judge, I wanted some justice. And God was saying to me, no, son. Your ways are not my ways. That's Old Testament stuff. Eh? The New Testament's all about loving your enemies. Not getting revenge. Eh? <laughs> I was sorely chastised. But I needed to learn the lesson. 
Because it is easy for us to judge. There I was thinking how righteous I was. Wanting God to sort them out. So I've got three questions for you. Who's judging you? Who is judging you? And how does that judgment make you feel? One of the biggest mistakes I think that that, that management has made these days is to have performance appraisals. Because in a performance appraisal, a person's judged. In my work amongst the business community, they... With 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 the one girl, for three months before her performance appraisal, she started dreading her performance appraisal, and then for three months it took her three months after the appraisal to recover from the appraisal. Yeah, six months. The company lost six months of productivity because of a a, a call to judgment. So who's 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 judging you? And what's the effect of their judgment on you? How much freedom are you, you, are you losing? Is the judgment causing you to lose your dignity? Is it causing you to find ways of hitting back and to get, getting revenge? How's their judgment affecting you? Is their judgment of you robbing you of joy? Is it robbing you of peace? Is it taking sleep from you? My second question is this Who has stopped coming to church because they feel judged? Who doesn't come here so much because they feel that they've been judged? Because they'll be there. There'll be people who, who, who used to come here and they don't come anymore. And for some of them they will have moved away, but for others they will have stopped because they just feel, they, they, those guys, they just look down on me. They judge me. And we stay away, don't we? We don't, we don't like meeting people who are going to judge, pass, pass judgment on us. Yeah. It's a massive problem for churches. It's a massive problem for churches to accept people as they are. Because the church takes on, takes, creates its own little sort of cultural values. There's cultural values, and, and, and a person has to, if they're going to settle in this community, they're going to have to align with our values. In fact, the church should actually be trying to take people and accept them as they are. 
So who stopped coming that you know? And why? And is there something you can do about it? Because ultimately it's about going and saying, look, I'm sorry, we messed up, didn't we? We said you should be this and you're not this, so you don't like coming anymore. Forgive us, come back. And then my third question is, who are you sitting in judgment on? Who are you sitting in judgment on? Who are you judging? Because it's easy for us to start judging people. It's dead easy. And very dangerous. How many parents have, have, have robbed their children of, of deep marital happiness because the mother or the father said, oh, that boy or that woman is useless. don't know why you're marrying them. Told you to never marry them. Casts a cloud. People walk around the issue. Who are, you, who are you judging? And as you look at how, who you're judging, you say, well, why am I judging them? What should my attitude to that person be? How can I put it right? It's jolly difficult, this Christianity thing, isn't it? It's jolly difficult. Because we like, <laughs> we like, you know how Jesus says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Yeah, cool. Like that. Hey? And then the second is... Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, no. i got to love my neighbor. Do you know what my neighbors are like? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> we get through the first, but the second trips us. And it's hard for us to really accept people who are not like us. It's very hard. Some people, some people, you know this as you go through life, some people are easy to love. And others. <laughs> yeah. And then we have to try and create a community where everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. Hey. Okay? Everyone's welcome. Tough, eh? Tough. Tough. We'd find it very tough. The community would find it very tough if two blokes walked through that door holding hands. Eh? We would. This community would find that very, very, very tough. If two women came through that door holding hands, obviously in love. 
How would we accept them? How, what would we do? Bing! Judge, judge, judge. Hey, we'd be, we would so fast pass judgment. We would. It's what we are. And God wants us to say, well, that's not my way. But God loves them as they are. And if God can do it, with God's grace, I can do it. It's wonderful, this gospel, isn't it? Because it just turns our worlds upside down. And in that upside down condition, gives us the most wonderful hope most wonderful peace and joy. So come, Lord Jesus. Come. Come and do a work. Come and do do a work in us, in our day, through us, through this community. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and do a work that is so wonderful. We wouldn't believe it if we were told of it.